Improv is letting go of control and collaborating with other people, making their ideas look good and being generous with their offers as opposed to like single-mindedly advancing your own. That's Caitlin, improviser, teacher, mom, and paper crafter. It's a waste of face just to feature her voice because this girl has expressions for days. She joined us to chat about harnessing spontaneous energy in the classroom, the freedom of improvising without the male persuasion, and the many virtues of listening. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our weekly chat. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining us on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. We met a few weeks ago at Genevieve from episode one, her birthday brunch, and she let me know that you do musical improv. It's true. With an all-female group at the Hideout Theater? Mostly. A different, few different theaters around town, but... Yes. Cool. And what is it called? What is the name of the group? The, gir- the group is called Girls, Girls, Girls. Because it's all girls. Because it's all girls. How did you get into it? Um, I, yeah, I started first doing improv in college um, when I was a freshman. and I was in, in a small liberal arts honors program at UT called Plan 2. And oh, yeah, Plan 2. Wow. I'm part of you guys. Yeah. You get to <laughs> set up your own degree plan. It's Yeah. Yeah. Good it's for you. Very cool. Um, and they have their own um, sort of theater group called The Broccoli Project. And when I was a freshman, some people in that group were auditioning for an improv troupe to start an improv troupe from scratch with like all just people who were totally new to it. Um, I grew up in New York City and I in high school I went and saw a lot of improv especially at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Manhattan. Did you? That's so So I was kind of into it um, but I hadn't really done any myself or taken any classes or done any workshops or anything like that until this group was forming and they kind of had these auditions and then it became this ridiculous like way too big group of all these crazy people mostly who were in plan two what do you like about working with all women um it's fun because you get to play more character you get to explore male characters in a way that when you're playing with male improvisers you don't always you it's a little bit confusing and tricky to cast yourself as a male character. It can happen, but it just doesn't happen as frequently. So I feel like playing with all women, um, I get to play a wider range of characters. Um, And I also think we're really good at supporting one another and listening maybe in ways that I don't know that that's universally true of all women players versus male men players but um I think that has been true in our group that um we're we also support each other kind of outside of what we do on stage so Mm -hmm. almost everyone in the group is a mom I became a mom four years ago and now I have two little ones at home and um so we do stuff like you know babysit for each other's kids or bring over food if someone is sick or um kind of help manage tight-knit group of friends then yeah yeah so that's really cool um, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a support system that goes beyond just, um, performing and playing together. Yeah. And we rehearse every week. 
which is also kind of, I feel like unique to this group. Not that we're the only group that rehearses every week, but maybe one of the only groups that's been around as long as we have that still Uh continues to rehearse so regularly and be really committed to that. Yeah. A lot of groups, um, once they've reached a certain point or sort of have been playing together for a long enough time, don't continue to rehearse as regularly. Because they feel confident in the rules and like working together. But you were telling me at the brunch that you guys like having someone come in and work with y'all, workshop, give you different techniques, that sort of thing. Totally. Yeah, it's still really helpful, especially because we do know each other really well and we have been working together for a long time, that it's helpful to get some outside perspective on things that we can continue to do better or differently or yeah um, sort of shake us out of some of our habitual patterns and routines that's really helpful Um, I think with improv too it's always like you can always go back to square one like you can always go back to the basics it can get sort of sophisticated maybe and you can practice like some kind of more elaborate or sophisticated techniques or What are some techniques that you think of or formats? What what kind of feedback do you get that you feel like is really helpful to y'all? Well, I guess often um, if we do bring a coach in, um, they'll remind us about things that we maybe learned at the very beginning. Like what? Just the, I mean... Ultimately, it all comes back to the importance of listening and being Mm. present Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with what is being offered. Instead of thinking of the next thing you're going to do or could get a reaction out of the crowd, you're listening to what people are doing at that moment. Totally. Interesting. So was it always a musical improv group? This group was, yes, has always been musical. And, um, so what we do now, I I think we've sort of done different things over the years at different points and with different kind of groupings of players. But basically what we do now is, um, we'll get a suggestion from the audience and we will, um, use that to inspire kind of like an opening number. Okay. Um, and then a series of scenes, Um, that are at first kind of unrelated to each other, but eventually are woven together into a kind of narrative. And over the course of that maybe hour-long show piece, Mm -hmm. um, there are scenes and also songs, musical numbers, dance numbers, um, all of which are improvised. Oh, my gosh. I know. So, yeah, that's one of the really fun things about musical improv is that there's always um, ways to support from the sidelines. You know, it's, you know, a musical in a musical, like the bounds of reality are exaggerated Mm -hmm. or broken, you know, so that kind of there's this open-endedness of like what could happen and you can play really big, extreme, exaggerated characters, which is really fun. And you can come in and be backup dancers. You can, you know, call for a solo song or you can, you know, 
to have a dance battle or um that is so fun so tell me about you have an accompanist yes so do you have like a theme of music or is that what is contributed by an audience member right uh well the yeah the accompanist also is making up the music is that kind of what you're asking like they don't know um, like a rock number or like part of, uh, yes. you know, nine to five. Cause you were telling me about yes. our um, most recent show was kind of inspired by nine to five yeah. and working girl. Yeah. So we were trying to do for that show. We were sort of in the genre of 1980s mm-hmm. music. So we studied various musical subgenres of the 1980s like yacht rock or <laughs> hair metal. Yeah. Or, and so we would or new wave we would look at you know listen to songs in that genre and kind of um think about tropes of that music that kind of music Mm -hmm. um and think maybe about okay when in the course of a narrative story would this kind of song maybe happen Mm -hmm. right so like for example yacht rock is really kind of like smooth dreamy sort of sensual whatever (laughs) and they're often talking about like whatever they're actually singing about the vibe of it is like hey you know this is all good sort of almost like a fantasy like I'm on my yacht sort of just chilling so we ended up often using a song like that in the show when it might be a moment of like having a fantasy sequence of so someone might so had since we had kind of studied that although we didn't know what what the story was going to be who the characters were going to be what was going to happen if someone on stage said something to someone else like wow that sounds really dreamy Mm -hmm. that might be a clue to the other person like okay maybe and to the musician the accompanist like Maybe we're going to sing that style of song yeah. now or even kind of like people moving, starting to move their bodies in a certain way, kind of getting in that zone. Then we might improvise that style of song. So there are constraints. Absolutely. There are constraints within each show, you know, like a general theme most of the time. Yeah. So this the run of shows that we do every spring is when I was saying we do like maybe six to eight shows over the course of like a month or two, um, that are kind of all together. Mm-hmm. Those are usually have some kind of specific genre mm-hmm. or focus mm-hmm. or, um, format that is different from kind of just our regular everyday format. Okay. We'll get the suggestion of a location from the audience. Okay. And so then let's say they say, you know, we've done, I mean, I, we've done so many, it's like hard to even think back yeah, on to Yeah, to like all narrow them, it down like, to one. You know, a farm, a summer camp, a, um, you know, slaughterhouse, a, a space station, right? So let's say someone yells out space station. So we'll say, thank you. I mean, we'll listen to a few suggestions from the audience. We'll say, okay, space station, thank you. So when the lights come up, um, you'll see space station, the musical, the lights will go down gotcha. uh-huh. and the lights will come up and there will be some kind of opening number that will be 
kind of introducing us to the world or the atmosphere of the, of the space station. Uh-huh. Um, and so maybe in that opening number, some themes might be established, like some themes. I don't know, like what's coming to my mind right now when I'm, I haven't done space station, the musical, but I was thinking <laughs> if someone said that I might be thinking like, okay, um, you know, loneliness or like isolation. So like being way out there or something like that, you know, or uh-huh. I might think, um, I might think like, discovery and science, you know, so I'm sort of, all of us are, are kind of thinking, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, like space stage. So we might, someone might come out and do like, boop, boop, boop. And then, you know, others, other people might join or whatever. And uh-huh. we might slowly start to build like some different kind of, um, you were mentioning like structures or constraints. We have like some different sort of song structures that we practice okay um that and then we can just say okay why don't we, let's start with a chorus master dance captain and then everybody knows kind of what that is still it's improvised because uh-huh. we don't know what again like what the suggestion is going to be what the content or the tone or what the music is going to the melody you know that the musician is going to be playing we don't know any of that uh-huh. but for example like chorus master dance captain is where um someone's going to come out and the first thing they're going to sing is a is a chorus so they're going to, and they're going to do when they come out and sing that chorus, they're going to do a dance move that goes with that chorus. So, um, you know, and it's going to be related to space station or whatever. And what we practice doing for, I mean, cause people always say that of like, Oh, that's so scary. Like, how do you do that? And, but truly there are some sort of techniques and that you can learn that I really think anyone could adopt and use and and make it a little bit less overwhelming and intimidating like I what I imagined was you know someone thinking the song kept going and another person thinking like well that's the end of that verse and it should be the end of the song and so like kind of knowing how to wrap it up or like where's how is it building that sort of thing so knowing there are certain techniques of like this is how many verses you know, this is what to sure. expect. Would yeah. I mean, yeah. Lend itself to a better show. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> right. Yeah. And just um, knowing some things about like making a chorus, you want it to be something simple, repeatable, obvious, big. Uh-huh. Um, but we, you know, you can get into trouble when you are trying to sing a chorus that's overly complicated. Because then when you come back for everybody to join in and repeat it, we we, we can't kind of get on board uh-huh. with you because we don't remember what right. you sang. So a lot – it's a big give and take between the singers and the musician. Um, and they – the musician is responsible for a lot of making that offer and, and doing things like you're saying of sort of cueing the players into like this is the end Or this is, or we're starting a new thing here, or like this is a bridge, Uh so it's different. So the music is going to change, and it's a lot about just practicing, like paying attention to the music. Do you have a musical background? Like, did you do musicals? I did. Yeah, I did musicals, musical theater. Growing up, most of us have done some musical theater, and Mm -hmm. or at least. enjoy musical theater, like consume music, you know? Um, and so what's cool is not everybody, we do have some amazing singers and some like trained vocalists who are amazing, but not everybody 
is like that, including really? myself. Like I'm not like a trained singer. Um, I have some background doing musical theater, but um, I really do think anyone can do this yeah. regardless of your level of experience because it's mostly about committing to it and uh-huh. like selling it. Do you get nervous on stage? Um, yes. Oh. <laughs> I do. I definitely get nervous when I know that certain people are going to be in the audience. Oh, like who? Um, well, just like, especially people that maybe ha- have, haven't seen improv before or that I know from some other context that's really diff- different, like, you know, people maybe from work or uh-huh. just because... I always feel like you never know what it's going to be like. I mean, you can invite people to come see your show, but this is a good one. Who knows? (laughs) Right. You really don't know what's going to happen. And, um, I've had, so I teach high school and I, um, also coached an improv troupe of high school students. And I even did a musical improv show with, with a group of them, um, two years ago. And so, and I've had students come see me perform. That makes me nervous yeah. because I feel like, Oh, well, Stop well, judging me, well kids. right. Like I was supposed <laughs> to be kind of this coach and this expert and trying to teach them stuff uh-huh. and for them to then come see my group perform. It's kind of, yeah, it puts, I feel like I'm putting myself on the line in a big way. Yeah. And I'm also worried about inappropriate like if something inappropriate were <laughs> sure. to happen and you know yeah which has happened I mean really? I had like just this in this last run of shows I had some some kids from my school come a big group of kids came and that's really sweet of them some crazy stuff happened in the show really? like I you know I got kissed by another cast member I did like a weird strip tease <laughs> weird stuff that like and I'm like these are my students like I mean they seemed really into it I guess you know I but I just wonder anyway I I can't did you know they were in the audience I did yes and I told my troop you know like hey (laughs) please try to keep it somewhat appropriate but you know I guess I have to strip (laughs) right I mean you end up kind of getting into situations that you can't anticipate Mm -hmm. and I actually wish in that situation that I had committed more. I feel like I, uh-huh. I could feel my, when, I mean, the question was, do you ever get nervous? And I guess more in that situation, it was, I was nervous, but I also felt myself kind of holding back a little, like not fully committing yep. to some of the things that I was worried would be perceived as weird or yeah. <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> and so I, anyway, I, I'm looking back on that particular show where those students were in that audience and I was sort of like put in these positions on stage. I kind of wished I had just like said, fuck it and really committed more to and like cursed a little bit more to them <laughs> and like made them feel real uncomfortable. <laughs> You're like, see, that's how you do it. kids. <laughs> No. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. Do mm-hmm. you play any instruments or is it just singing? Man, I don't. Um, we've been so lucky to have, to work with like a number of really talented, amazing musicians, um, mostly um, pianists, but also uh-huh. some guitar players. And we've always had a dream of kind of playing with like a full band, uh-huh. not just one person, but multiple um, but most of us, I don't know if any of us 
It's not part of your improv shtick of like, no, I'm going to pull out this thing. No, that would be really cool, but no. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we sometimes do like beatboxing or, you know, that kind of, or like sometimes we'll have a tambourine or something Uh like that. But none of us is, is a, is like a trained musician besides being vocalists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you need alone time after being in front of people on stage? Hmm. Do you recharge after? Yeah, that's a really good question. Not really. Um, well, I don't know. It's hard to, it, I feel like maybe it's hard to just be alone after, after the kind of like adrenaline mm-hmm. and this like very social uh, kind of heart racing kind of experience. It's, I, I then kind of want to continue sort yeah. of socializing rather yeah. than I, cause I can sometimes can get in my head about like nitpicking through like, Oh, I wish I hadn't said that or that wasn't really very funny or that wasn't the right choice. Uh-huh. Those kinds of like paranoid kind of self-critical stuff. Yeah. And so I feel like it's actually better for me to like go out and continue to sort of be, social or come home and talk to my husband who's also an improviser so that's helpful um about the show um I find it hard to kind of go home and go to sleep after because uh-huh. I'm sort of wa- like really keyed up are you a night person not usually I'm but a morning after person these shows you're just kind of up for a while totally yeah it's hard to just kind of I don't know like go back to a quiet calm space <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So do you ever improv with your husband? Are y'all ever players in the same troupe? We have done some things together that it, it's been fun. Yeah. We've done some duo shows, just the two of us really? together. That <laughs> yeah. is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We did that more before we had kids. We had, more, I guess we just had more energy and time <laughs> to do. And I guess it sort of feels like we're doing it all day, every day, all the time now. Sort Just of. kind of bouncing <laughs> off of each other, being silly, yes. trying to make each other laugh, that sort of thing. So we just don't do it as much these days, but yeah. How did y'all meet? Through improv. Yeah, that's okay. how, yeah. Um, I mean, we both went to UT, um, but he was, he's older than I am and had, he had started doing improv in a pretty serious way in high school. So by the time he got to college, he was already really experienced and had a group of, uh, like a troupe that he'd been playing with for several years. And, um, and he was like teaching improv and coaching other troops and performing a lot. And so I always kind of just knew of him and had seen him perform. Um, and then, I guess, yeah, once I joined Girls, 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 I think he, you know, at one point he, we were at a festival together and we kind of saw each other perform and yeah, we, yeah, that, I mean, I feel really lucky that I like exploring this art form and the community that surrounds it here in Austin has like led me to kind of my whole life, (laughs) you know, like sort of, yeah, it's been like a huge, yeah. That part of my whole trajectory, life trajectory. Yeah. So you teach high school. What do you teach? Right. I teach English. How do teaching and improv overlap? 
Oh my gosh. It's so much <laughs> the same. <laughs> I mean, just that. So I actually teach, um, non-native English speakers or English language learners because our school has a large population of international students. And so the classes that I teach are designed for English language learners in their first year who are kind of transitioning into the school. So I teach a ninth grade class and 10th grade class. um, And we read many of the same texts that the mainstream class classes read, but we're doing it kind of at a slower pace and just with the understanding that everyone in the room is a non-native speaker. And so it's kind of about, I feel like, creating a safe space for those kids to really make themselves vulnerable, but, you know, by putting themselves out there and taking the huge risk of processing through concepts, abstract, sophisticated concepts in their second language. Um, And, you know, improv is also about um, taking a risk, being willing to fail, um, the kind of the idea that there are no mistakes and that we're kind of just here learning and supporting one another. Um, and then also just that trying to make it fun <laughs> and engaging <laughs> yeah. a little bit, you know, and I feel like English in high school English class, you have such an opportunity to, to actually talk about real things that matter. I mean, not that, I think that's, I mean, probably math and science teachers would like Come balk on. at that. But I just mean, or, or would say that you can talk about those things in a math class too. But in English, we're really talking about like what makes human life like, meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about you know, family and love and death and justice and mm-hmm. freedom and Relationships, you know, relationships and metaphors yes, and who yes, are we? Beauty and yes. And, and so I feel like kids have an opportunity to, you know, really think about, and the, I mean, the point of reading literature is to gain a sense of empathy for, you know, different people's experiences and points of view and to kind of enrich our own, um, perspective on like what is this like human experience that we're all having gosh and you must be learning so much from them because all of their backgrounds must be really different than what you're familiar with totally oh that's so beautiful so yeah I really love um love both those things I mean love bringing kind of that improvisational or spontaneous um energy into the classroom and then also yeah taking um kind of my experiences in the classroom into the art. Yeah. So I can definitely see that. Yeah. What else do you do that's creative? So I've been doing kind of paper crafting or card making for a while, kind of just as a little hobby, nothing that I've ever really like studied (laughs) um, or done any, I don't know. It's not, I don't do it in any like professional capacity, but I, now that I think about it, my grandmother used to do paper crafting with cards and would kind of make her own cards and send them. And they were sometimes funny and, um, odd. She was like totally awesome and weird and she had a weird <laughs> sense of humor. And anyway, I don't know if that was part of what inspired me to 
start doing that. Um, Did you save some of her cards? I know that's such a. I think I may have some somewhere. But you've got it tucked away in your memory. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. That was something I remember from her, and um, so. Like when I was getting married, I made all the save the dates. Um, like we did this. They were really cute. We did these little, we had like my little kindergarten like school picture and his little kindergarten school picture. And there was, and we did, anyway, it just said like save the date and we did the date. My sister helped me. She like carved out a stamp uh-huh. That had like the stuff on it. And so we stamped them and we cut them all out. And anyway, that was just, well, that's kind of probably the biggest craft project of do this kind that I've done. Do you still have a copy of such a thing? I think I do somewhere. Will you email it to us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. Yes, I will. I would love to see that. Yeah. And you also give like birthday cards. Right. And- so then, yeah. So I kind of just got into. Yeah, like Valent. I love making Valentines. Oh, sure. And then yeah, around the holidays or yeah, birthdays. Um, and I've tried to get my child involved um, because she now she really likes doing it too, and it's a good exercise and practice of like patience. <laughs> yeah. And trying to appreciate that there's value kind of in the process as opposed to just like the finished product being like perfect, you Mm -hmm. know? So Mm -hmm. I'm, I like, I want to involve her without sort of micromanaging her or making sure that it has to be some particular certain way, Mm -hmm. but that's hard for me. So it's like a process of me kind of letting go of my sort of control and expectation and plan and like this is how it's going to look and this is um so what have you let her do what what have you encouraged her to do where you're like just go go at it right so like I'll usually the car so we'll usually do like a batch of them around a holiday you know so maybe it's valentine's and um we'll make like 20 or 30 and then we'll send them out and so each one will be a little will be kind of the same but also slightly unique um so each one will be you know different but they'll sort of be like an assembly line style Mm -hmm. sort of process and each one will have some element of kind of like precision that I have enforced delicately <laughs> yeah, like I've laid this it out. Is, this is my thing. This is what I get out of it. Right. Like I'm placing the border, you know, right around the little photograph or whatever it is. And then I'll let her do a more kind of free form element to it where she'll just like take the glitter and put it all over. So it'll kind of have a, some structure to it and then some like, you know, wildness to it. Yeah. And yeah. It's fun. Yeah. This reminds me of making Valentine's with my daughter when she was younger before I was like, F it. We're just going <laughs> to buy these for now because I don't have enough time. But for um, a while, we would so make toilet paper rolls where you like pinch oh, it yeah. on the bottom and then you kind of tuck in the middle. It makes a heart. Oh, yes. I've and seen so that. then you stamp that in paint. And so I was like, just go to town and stamp. And so right. stamp, 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 stamp. And then we would cut those into cardish shapes. Yes. And then like write on that. So that's what I'm imagining when you're saying like totally. free form. 
gonads, and then here is the very rigid, beautiful thing that I get out of it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, yes. Well, so, because I want them to look or fe- have the feeling of authenticity, you know, like I want them to, f- I th- want it to be clear and evident that like a child contributed to the making of this. Yeah. But I also <laughs> want them to look <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. So it's kind of, it, for me, it's like a good sort of spiritual practice of trying to let, let it go. Yeah. And I just think in life, that's really a valuable practice and something that I still struggle with. I mean, as a teacher, as a parent, as a partner, as a human being, you know, trying to have some grace and, and letting go of my agenda and rolling with unexpected for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And mess, messiness, oh, like God, a, like allowing, so hard to just tolerating. Yeah, tolerating is the perfect word. You're like, yeah. okay, this mess needs to happen, and I just have to accept that yes. this is part of the process. Yeah. Is it something that you like to do on your own as well, or do you feel like this is something that you try to make a mom and child activity so you can do family-oriented things? Right. I know. If I had time, I would do more on my own. I guess I just feel like there's a lot of demands on my time. And mm-hmm. this is like, a, I don't know, something that you can engage with your kiddo. Right. I can do it during the day while I'm also, yeah, with her. Um, so we actually had a really fun, um, like Valentine's craft party in the dorm at the school where I, so I, um, live and teach at a, it's a day and boarding school. So I'm also a dorm parent. Whoa. For like 25 ninth grade girls. Really? Yeah. And I live in an apartment like connected to the dorm. And so I do dorm duty one night a week and one weekend a month. And my husband does too. He's downstairs in the boys dorm. So yeah, this year, I mean, there's a lot more I could say about that. But um, to get back to the crafting, when you're on duty on a weekend, um, you're assigned to do different activities, you know, because we take, try to take the kids off campus to, you know, go to Barton Springs or go to P. Terry's or, you know, there's a bunch of trips always off campus to get food or do fun things. And then sometimes there's things on campus. And this year I organized a Valentine's making craft party for the girls in the dorm. And I got to buy all these amazing materials, including like a heart cutter outer thing and just a ton of stuff that I was just like dying for. And actually I brought my daughter with me to the store. So we picked out all the stuff together and we got snacks and laid out all the stuff on this big table in the common room in the dorm. Uh And, um, and the girls just really loved it. A lot of them just really loved and did like really cool cards. And I think it's great to give them, you know, opportunities to, I think a lot of them felt like it was some kind of, um, throwback to, you know, making Valentine's as when they were kids. Totally. And so they, it was, yeah. They got into it. Yeah. It was really fun. And you're like, check this out. This is how I do borders. You might not have known about this, but this (laughs) is a really good idea. (laughs) Yeah. 
Is there anything creative that you'd like to try but are afraid to try or hesitant to try? Well, this is kind of a fraught answer, but I kind of hate cooking. I hear you, girl. And it's... (laughs) um, And that wasn't true in my upbringing. I mean, my dad is like an amazing cook and my whole family is very into food and cooking and healthy food and fresh food and ingredients and make it all yourself and And stirring it and (laughs) feeding it up at holidays it's like a it's just interesting because my husband's family is just really different maybe this shouldn't go on the air (laughs) (laughs) they don't care about food at all Uh and so it's just different ways of approaching it because if you don't do, if you don't spend all day cooking, yeah. you know, then you might spend time like doing something, hanging out or doing yeah. other stuff. You know what I mean? But I think my parents see it definitely. My dad sees it as like an expression of love. And that's like a huge way that he like shows yeah. care and love. And anyway, so. So you didn't get that gene. I Somehow <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. And I. Yeah. And so I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I should care about cooking more or like I am missing out on some important potential outlet for creativity and care that, you know, where you get to make something that brings people together, that goes into your body. I mean, it's like I see abstractly how it could be cool. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't – I suck at it. I kind of hate it. It's like looking in a mirror. (laughs) I I really do relate to it. I'm – what is it? It's you either – yeah, you either live to eat oh, or right. eat to live. I know. I think I'm the, right. The I, I eat, eat to, to live. live. Yeah. Totally. And my husband, his entire family, they cook. They yeah. cook together. Yes. They talk about how much salt is in something. <laughs> they get in fights over it. Um, and I'm like, oh, oh, what is this? And then I like <laughs> kind of forget what I'm eating and I forget to finish my food. And I'm like, oh, God, I really right. need to like let them know how much I appreciated the effort. Huge. I know. And the love. But I um, just don't pay that as much attention to it right. as they do. So sure. I totally get what you're saying. And then on the other end, so that's, you know, you're not as interested in it but you feel like you should is there something that you would like to try creatively but are hesitant to and I asked some some of our listeners this week um, of you know what what are you what did I say I asked our listeners this week is there anything creative you'd like to try but haven't yet Mm. and um Mortimer X, one of our friends, collage artists. Thank you, Mortimer X, for replying two weeks in a row. You're the best. Um, She said she had always wanted to try light installation art. Oh, wow. And she's a collage artist. So that, I think, is really fun. Totally. And then I have um, my friend Sarah E., who's my sewing buddy, said (laughs) she wants to try screen printing and hand stamping fabric. Mm. And so I'm just wondering if there's something 
in the pipeline that you're like, man, that would be a fun thing mm-hmm. to dive into. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess this is, maybe this doesn't count because it's sort of related to what I already do, but um, I enjoy dancing, but kind of free form Mm -hmm. dancing and Mm -hmm. obviously improvised dancing is kind of its own thing. Um, But I might... I, if I, again, if I had more time and energy, this elusive thing called time, <laughs> I know, I think I would, um, like to take a dance class and really learn like a specific type of dance oh. and maybe even a partner dance class or, you know, like, and learn the moves. Cause I remember, I do remember from doing like scripted musical theater in high school and doing choreographed dancing. I was never like a great dancer. So I was never in the numbers that like were reserved for like the good dancers. I was <laughs> in the like, everybody can be in this num- yeah, yeah. numbers, but I definitely learned some choreography and it did feel amazing to, mm-hmm. at first, I always remember at the beginning feeling like, okay, I'll never be able to get this. Like, I just, I don't know what she's doing up there. Like, I don't, my body is like, how can I make myself do what, those steps are you know but then the feeling of doing an act of like finally getting it and performing a choreographed dance with like all these other people feels so right feels so awesome (laughs) and so I would I think I would like to actually yeah do a dance class of some kind and like get over that initial hump of resistance or feeling like, oh, I can't possibly learn that. You know, there's just no way. You know, my body is just not gonna do it like that. Or, yeah. And and just stick with it. The attitude that you have towards improv, where you're like, yeah, right. duh, I can do this. Right. Apply right. it to other things. Totally. That's so fun. Even cooking, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <not. laughs> Okay, I have a question for next week that I'm hoping our listeners will chime in on. Is there anything that you used to do creatively but don't do anymore? Oh. Mine is write poetry. Oh man, I yeah. Know. I get. I mean, I guess more like scripted theater. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. Do you miss it? I do. Yeah, it's really cool to have the like the camaraderie of doing a play, putting on a play mm-hmm. with a group of people. Um, and, um, and it has a kind of narrative arc to the process of it in that improv doesn't have because improv is like every show that you do has never been done before and will never be done again. And so there's like, it's never ending. It's kind of this ongoing flowy type feeling of your, like your participation in it, as opposed to like, a discrete period of time with a particular group of people saying, you know, putting up this particular story. Okay. Is there anything you used to do creatively, but don't do anymore? Let us know on Instagram and Twitter with the hashtag chatty crafties. We would love to know and use your answers in next week's podcast. Okay. If you were to give yourself a title for your creative identity, what would your title be? It's like I am purposely engaging in this practice to counteract some of my like natural tendencies to want to organize, control, cling, 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I am like purposely trying to disorganize to, <laughs> to like, yeah, to let go uh-huh. to like put myself in situations where like there's not a choice. You kind of have to let it go because yeah. it's slipping through your fingers or like structured spontaneity Ooh. or something. I don't know. Intentional improviser. I like that a lot. Maybe it's an alliteration. <laughs> I am a big fan of alliteration. Intentional improviser sounds really good. Okay, because it kind of combines those elements of yeah. like it's almost structure. Easy. It is. It is. <laughs> it makes too much sense. Okay. So thank you, Caitlin, and thanks to our listeners, and we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. You can see Caitlin live on stage July 27th in Don't Interrupt Me at the Hideout Theater. It's hosted by Physics Curse, featuring girls, girls, girls. Answer one or all of our questions of the week on Instagram or Twitter so we can feature your crafting confessions in our next episode. Our finely crafted music is by Berm and Swale, who you can find on Facebook. Photos, links, and more at chattycrafties.com. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for a mini morsel of musical improv. Then go make some art. So far away from home. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to do with just one person. Because yeah, yeah. like an opening number would be like, you know, somebody else would jump us. in. Kind of, yeah. And sort of layering on there and establishing maybe some kind of themes and some kind of like... Tone. Not just two people looking at you like, aha, be funny. <laughs> Do something crazy. Do Start singing. Start- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, kind of like that.